Folks, if you're liking what you're getting from 30MPC, the number one way you can support us is by subscribing to our newsletter. Every week, you only get two emails. On Monday, you get a content roll-up of everything that dropped last week. And on Fridays, I pick one topic and I personally write a deep dive on things like how to cold call, how to run a discovery call, or even how to hire an AE. So if you're liking what you're getting here, take two seconds, go to the show notes. You'll see a button to subscribe to our newsletter, or you can go to 30mpc.com backslash newsletter and do it there. We'll catch you soon. Cheers. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another episode of 30 Minutes to President's Club. I'm your host, Nick Sigelski, and I'm joined with my co-host, Jen Allen Knuth, and we have got a repeat guest, Alex Kremer from Catalyst. He is a director of sales over there, and he is teaching us today about how undeniable truths can help you sell a little bit more. Jen, why should people listen? So we all know we shouldn't be leading with our product or solution in the first call, but how do we create a conversation that makes our buyer lean all the way in? Alex breaks down how he uses this undeniable truth in his first call, how he choreographs his demos, and how he ensures that no demo is left without a next step. All right. And a three, a two, a one, experiential. Today's tip to optimize your sales day is brought to you by Boomerang. If you get an email and the action required on that email is going to take you less than two minutes to do, do it on the spot. It's not worth adding it to your to-do list, having to look at the item, remember what you need to do. That's going to take you more than two minutes anyway. So do it on the spot, get it off your plate. Now we documented our best templates and tips to help you optimize your sales day with our friends at Boomerang. And you can get that documentation for free at the link in the show notes. Here's my secret to being a sales superhuman. It's auto reminders for everything. If I expect any reply from a prospect, I press command H and superhuman pops it right back into my inbox. If I don't get a reply in two days, that means if you handle an objection, if you suggest times for a meeting, or if you ask for cuts back on red lines, always create a two day reminder task and assume they will not reply. So if you want to follow up on time, every time you can get a free month of superhuman by checking it out in the show notes. This actionable competitive tactic from Clue is the trap question. Steer discovery toward the winning zone. If we're competing with a podcast that has no newsletter or webinar series, we might ask a trap question like, how do you figure out if those podcast listeners are making their way to your mailing list? And when you're in a head-to-head, there's no better way to prepare for your next competitive battle than with our trap questions and battle card templates from our friends at Clue. The link's in the show notes. Gong's going to help you run the five-minute drill at the end of all of your calls today. At the end of a call, pressure test the prospect with three questions. Number one, do you want to buy? If the answer is no, why set a next step at all? Number two, when do you want to buy? If it's tomorrow, we got to move fast. Number three, how do you buy? Based on the first two answers, I can now adequately decide if and how I set a next step. And this was stolen from the Gong 30 MPC 90 Minute Masterclass, and you can steal it too in the show notes. All right, Alex, welcome back to the show. You might remember we start every single episode with your top three actionable takeaways. So let's get your three. The very first tactic I got for you is the flow of the initial meeting. There is three parts to it. The first one is to name an undeniable truth or trend that's actually occurring in the world today. The second one is to discuss the different challenges or the pains that people are having of actually keeping up with those trends and the fact that there's going to be both winners and losers that come from that. And the third part is to discuss how your product, your solution, your company, whatever it might be, solves for those pains. 
Ooh, I'm excited to dig into that. But first, what's tip number two? It's called the tell, show, tell technique because I see a lot of reps. They show everything there is in their platform and the prospect usually ends up leaving more confused than ever before. So there's three steps to this. The first thing is you're going to tell them the three things that you're going to show in the demo. You're then going to show them those three things. And then the final part of the demo, you're going to tell them what you just showed them. They're going to have a very clear idea on the three key things that your product or service solves for. Love it. Round us out. What's number three? How do you make sure when you're giving a demo to get everybody engaged and involved? Let's say, Jen, you're not paying attention to this demo that I'm giving here. I'm going to do three things. I'm going to say, Jen, I'm coming to you. So I'm going to first give you your name. And I'm say, I just showed you X, Y, Z in our products. So you're kind of sharing what you just reviewed with them, just in case she wasn't paying attention. And then I'm going to give you a really easy softball question that allows you to hit it out of the park. It makes you feel really good about how smart and intelligent you are and gets you back and involved in the conversation. All right. Well, first of all, I pay attention during every demo, so I don't appreciate being called out <laughs> for that. And let's go back to the first one, the flow of the first meeting. I love this term, undeniable truth or trend, but I don't think it's a very common one. Can you tell us what is it and what does it sound like before I start picking your brain about it? This is from the greatest sales deck I've ever seen by Andy Raskin. And essentially, it's talking about before you go into your product to where your headquarters are, how much funding you have, all that sort of good stuff, you want to show that you are credible, like you're an expert actually within your field or your industry. Your whole goal is to show, hey, you actually have something to not just buy from me, you have something simply to learn from me. I'm actually going to be giving you some ideas that whether or not you end up purchasing our product, like this is going to add value. So you're going to want to engage with me. So I'm a head of sales here at Catalyst. You know, one of the things we talked about is the net new revenue bucket, especially within the tech world, has been getting a lot drier, right? Organizations are not hitting quota as much. You know, how organizations were valued from that net new is kind of going away. There's been this massive shift to the back half of the funnel. How are you finding revenue from your current customers? Because if that net new bucket is getting drier, as an organization, you still need to be driving revenue. And that's where you focus on your current customers. And the thing that I love about this is whenever I say this, you look at every prospect's head, they're just nodding. They're like, uh-huh, I feel that. I agree. And so it's like, okay, now we're kind of doing this cool little tango here. Most sales decks probably start with here's us here's our software here's the stuff that we do and i think most folks listening to this know that's a very me centric way to lead the meeting and probably not a good way to get your prospect leaning in the level above that is leading with hey here's some of the problems that folks typically see and then going to here's how we solve them you're actually going one level deeper here where you're actually talking about the industry or the market trend that is the impetus for these problems that your customers are dealing with. And because that is something that's undeniable and is happening in the industry, you're no longer pitching your company or your product or your service. You're aligning up front saying, hey, are you feeling the same thing that I'm feeling and seeing? And what happens is if you get them saying yes, it actually gives you some ground to stand on for the remainder of your pitch of, hey, here's challenges, here's our product, et cetera. So talk to me about some of the common pitfalls or mistakes you see folks make when they are putting these together, these undeniable truths, trends. 
some of the problems that I see reps do, and I've seen this many times, they try to be too grandiose with it. Like they're making it too much of a large thing. And sometimes it's not even relevant to the problem or the situation that the prospect is actually dealing with here. So the whole goal is, hey, we both feel this. We both see this. It's super easy for me, somebody to say, I deal with that every single day. Absolutely. I'm on the same page with you. Now we're in a, in a little bit of a shared arena. So what you've done okay. is you've established, hey, undeniable trend. And the next piece you talked about is the challenges to keep up with that trend. Okay. What does this piece sound like? Can you give me some examples here? Yeah. So at Catalyst, for example, if we say, hey, there's a lot of organizations focusing more on the back half of the funnel, I might say something like, so when you look at their organization, you have such a disconnect between a customer success organization and how to actually drive revenue. You have a large disconnect to understand who's even adopting well and who's primed and ready to be driving expansion or who's going to be potentially churning from you. And so you're trying to really create the gap between, hey, this is an undeniable trend happening right now. There's going to be winners and there's going to be losers here. Where you are most likely at is down here and using kind of a command of the message type of framework is to talk about what's the negative stuff that will come from this. And this is kind of like a little bit morbid, but it's, it's like you want to kind of stab them and you want to twist the knife. You want them to be like, oh man, like that is a trend. And man, we are not able to keep up with this. And if that problem continues to persist over the next two years, we're having some serious revenue or opportunities left on the table. Does your approach differ at all if it's an inbound lead versus an outbound? Because what I'm hearing, I'm loving for that awkward thing of like, how do you start a conversation that isn't about your product or solution in an outbound motion? What if someone comes in and is just like, I just want to see the demo? How do you still maintain control of that and get to that? One thing that I've always thought here is that if an inbound lead comes in and they say, I just want to see a demo, I'm going to push back just a little bit like, hey, I'd be happy to give you the complete Harbor Cruise. But if I do that, I might show you a shit ton of stuff that's not relevant and I'm going to lose you forever. You're not going to feel good or I'm not going to feel good from this either. So if it's okay with you, I would love just to ask you a few really key and pointed questions, maybe share with you some of the trends that we're seeing in the space. And so I can really understand what's actually relevant for you. And I like, just trust me on this. If it does take another meeting for me to have a demo, it's at least going to be way more worth our time because we're not having to spend two, three, four more cycles to actually show you this here. I love that strategy. I mean, what you're doing is prospect asks you for something and you say, yes, I am going to give that to you. But so that I don't give it to you in a way that upsets you and is a crappy demo, can you help me understand what I should even be showing to you in the first place? You're saying, I'm going to give you what you wanted, but in order to give you what I wanted, I need some of this from you here. Am I getting that right? Exactly. And one thing that I would say is like, hey, I could just be another slimy salesperson just trying to do a one size fits all, trying to fit a square peg into a round hole so I could hit quota. But that's just not how I roll. I really care about understanding like what is important to you. What are some of your executive priorities? Because I also don't want to be spending a lot of time on you if it's actually not a fit. It's not good for you. It's definitely not good for me. So this is kind of a partnership right here that I want to make sure that you're a good fit for me just as much as I'm a good fit for you. One question for you. So you talk about the way you're kicking off these meetings, the way you're starting the conversation is let's go back to 
name the trend, talk about the challenges, and then you give them a little teaser on, hey, here's high level how we help with something like this. My guess is you're not spending the entirety of the discovery call presenting those three things. My guess is you're going to transition to asking them some questions. How long do you spend on the presentation of trend, challenges, quick mm -hmm. tease of solution? And how do you then transition into a discovery conversation from that? If I have my initial meeting and it's 30 minutes, my discovery slash kind of frame is going to be the first 15 to 20 minutes. My presentation in terms of what do we do, the trends, problems, solution is around five to seven minutes. The goal is five minutes at the end of a 30 minute conversation to talk about next steps, who needs to be involved, timeline, different things along those lines. But that 15 to 20 minutes is definitely a lot of discovery. And whenever I get to the part within the gaps that people are experiencing to meet up with the trends, I'm actually using that slide to do a little bit more discovery. So I say, hey, so here's some of the gaps that organizations are experiencing. I'm curious, are any of these relevant to you? If so, which one is the biggest one? How long have you been dealing with that? What's been the impact of that there? So your discovery doesn't just stop when it gets to your slides, like your discovery is throughout the entire thing. Okay. So I'm imagining being in the buyer seat, right? You're taking me through <laughs> these undeniable truths. What happens? What do you say? What do you do if someone disagrees with you? I really like it when somebody disagrees with me because I don't view that they have the answer and I'm wrong. I just view there's many different ways to skin the cat. And so here's one thing that I've always done. And I learned this from Actually, my mom told me about this when she talked about she was a big Barack Obama fan, as many people are, and was talking about his debates. And so when he would debate, one thing that he was so good at is when someone would give a different opinion than him, he would say, you know what? I can understand why you would think that because of X, Y, and Z. And I also want to consider it from a different perspective. Because from our lens, this is what also people are dealing with. And so what you've just done is you've kind of said, like, for sure, like, I see it. And you've been willing to put yourself in their shoes and you're acknowledging you have a good perspective. They feel seen. They feel like, okay, totally. And then when you go back to your point, your perspective, hopefully they're going to give you the same type of honor back. Like, all right, now he considered it from my perspective. Now I'm willing to give it a view from his perspective. Oh, I am eating that up because I think that is an opportunity that I've certainly been in the shoes where I've defaulted to being like, okay, tell me what you think, right? And then you default to let me try to fit match what you've said into what we offer. But what I love about what you just said or what I heard from you is you're almost saying you're right before disagreeing. And I learned that a long time ago. Like if you're going to tell someone they're wrong, tell them they're right first, but you're labeling and making a different enemy the problem. So you're saying it's, you know, this, this belief, this assumption, this thing over here that led us to believe that was right. So they view the world the way you do. They're leaning in on this undeniable truth. Where do you take it from there? So this is what I always like to do. At the very end of the initial meeting, I always like to ask a close-ended question of, hey, so I'm curious, you talked about XYZ problems. I shared with you what our platform does. I'm curious, do you think that we can solve some of this? Right? It's a very personal close-ended question. If they say yes, it's really hard for them to disagree to booking next steps. My phrase then is, would you be open if I make a recommendation on next steps here? You're most likely going to say yes. So the next step would be to book an hour demo. Typically, we see people like yourself. We typically see someone like a sales operations or a sales enablement 
maybe even a CRO involved in that conversation if you're open to involving them. What are your thoughts of doing that this Friday? It's like they're giving me the permission to book the next steps. And then if they're going to be including all these additional people on the call, I'm going to really try to understand either from that champion or reach out to them directly what's most important to them so I can really make sure that I'm tailoring you know, what our product demo looks like. May I make a recommendation on next steps? It's one of my favorite phrases to use. Yeah. Very polite. So you've led this great first meeting aligned on how you both see the world, problems, opportunities, et cetera. They think you have a chance at solving the problems that you heard from them, and they took your recommendation on next steps. Oftentimes, what happens here is you have a broader team meeting where they might have taken your rack, Alex, and they involve two or three people from their team that you're now meeting for the first time. And it's usually a, hey, we're going to take you through a demo of how we're going to solve what we learned from champion A over here. You get into that meeting. You've got, I don't know, 30 minutes, an hour on the calendar. Talk to me about how you're running that meeting, knowing that you've got faces that you've never spoken mm -hmm. with before in the room for the first time. So this is actually probably my favorite part like of a sales cycle is when you get to a demo. Because you can say all the right words and it can still fall completely flat. But at the end of the day, if you're the one hosting a large meeting, facilitating a powerful conversation, giving a demo, you're running a production. You're truly like, this is like a get people excited, get everybody involved. So there's really kind of like four main parts that I like to go through here. The first one is, you know, you kind of gave your frame, you give your credibility who you are. I want to review, here's what I heard in my last conversation especially if there's going to be new people on the call, I'm going to say, you know, hey, Jen, I know you weren't on our last conversation. I'm curious, is this all applied to you? Or you as, you know, the co-founder, is this a different world? What else is kind of going on there? So I'm going to be really asking specific questions to people, um, especially if I know they're key parts of the decision-making process there. After I've done that, I'm then the second part going to go into a very high level maybe one or two slides in terms of what we do. I don't need to speak to the very elongated kind of discussion, but what I will do is I'll either show, hey, here's the trends and here's how we solve for it, where we fit into the overall tech stack and some of the key problems that we're solving. So at least I'm giving them a lens. I know where I'm at, what you guys do. At least I have an idea about it. So you're kind of catching people up from there. After that, that's when you go into the demo. And this is where we're talking about that tell, show, tell technique. So I'm going to have one slide and it's going to be almost like the agenda slide. Here's the three themes I'm going to be going over with you. The first one is going to be, here's the dashboards that your reps will use. The second one will be the actions that they take. The third part is going to be the analytics around whether those actions are working. So first, let's go through the dashboard. But what I really like about me saying this is the entire demo it's really scary sometimes if a prospect's just knee deep in a demo and be like, where the hell are we going with this? What are you going to show me next? Are you going to show me pricing? Are you going to show me that? Like, it's like, I'm telling them, I'm giving you safety. Here's our entire thing that we're going through. So I told you the first three themes. I show you the first theme. I'll actually, so on your Mac, if you use your four fingers, it can swipe your screen. So I'll show them that first theme four fingered over back to that same side. Be like, cool, we just discussed dashboards. How are you guys feeling about that? Awesome, you're good? Cool, next we're going to the actions. Four fingers back over to the platform. Go over that, talk about the actions. Boom, go back. 
hey, we just talked about the actions. Now we're going into this. So it's like, again, they're following along the entire way. They're not like, where am I? What am I actually looking at? After you get done with that demo, you go back to that same slide, right? This is that tell, show, tell technique. We went over all of this. What are you guys' thoughts? Do you feel like some of this can solve some of this? Which one of these is most important to you kind of going from there? That fourth step then in the demo, if you have a 60-minute meeting, your goal is to save the last 10 minutes to talk about what the next steps are. So what I always like to do in that is there's two parts. Is first, I want to go over like one to two minutes of what the implementation actually looks like because they have two thoughts after you get done with the demo. First off is, wow, this is awesome. I love it. Second thing is, where the hell would I actually get started with this? And so you're trying to get over that by proactively saying, hey, let's just go over a very brief overview of how we do implementation onboarding. We have a whole meeting focused on this, but I just want to make you guys know we really care about this of adoption. And then you share your prepared success plan, mutual action plan that talks about what your proposed next steps are. Hopefully you have some additional names or personas in there. They say, hey, I saw Sally on LinkedIn is your VP of finance. Should she be involved in this next conversation? Should she not? So you're not just saying, hey, who should be involved in this next meeting? You're actually coming in with a hypothesis and it's just really creating a powerful conversation there. So I'll pause there. I have some thoughts too, if somebody's not paying attention in a demo, but I'll tee it up for any questions you got for me there. I mean, that never happens, does it, Nick? Everybody always pays attention. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I didn't catch it. I spaced out for a second. What were we talking? <laughs> were we? Well, now you've teased it. Now you got to tell us. Yes. I have tons of questions about what you just talked about, but I've shown a demo here or there where I've noticed <laughs> that some folks were not engaged. How do you pull them back in? Your job is not just to know the product and to say the right words. You're facilitating a powerful conversation. You're wanting to make it fun and engaging for everybody. So Nick, if I see you having your eyes Look at different parts of the screen and obviously not paying attention. <laughs> I'm going to do three things. I'm going to say, hey, Nick, right? And I'm going to pause real quick. Just be like, okay, gather yourself. I'm going to ask you a question. I'm then going to give a quick synopsis of everything that I just showed. Maybe in the past two minutes, three minutes, whatever it might be. Hey, I just showed you how a rep looks at a dashboard and takes the right action to perform on that particular account. Right. So even though you weren't paying attention, like I'm catching you back up. And the third part is I'm going to ask you a complete softball question that allows you to knock it out of the park. So I'm going to say, hey, I just showed you XYZ. I'm curious, based on your role, how do you feel like this will solve that expansion number that you're really trying to go for? And hopefully, if Nick is smart enough here, he's going to have a great question. He's going to feel really good about himself. Everybody else is going to be like, wow, totally. I totally see. Wow, now Nick's talking about this too. Like Nick is doing the job of selling for me. Everybody's engaging here. A great sales rep represents a great product, right? And a great sales process represents a great customer success and onboarding experience. So if you as the sales professional are showing, hey, I know how to facilitate powerful conversation, ask good questions, you yourself are a better representation of your product than your product is at times. So if you can do that, shit starts I mean, to hit. 
you're a master in this meeting of you're running not just a software demo, not just a meeting. This is clearly an experience, mm-hmm. right? And you're doing that intentionally because if joining a software demo with you and looking at a dashboard is that exciting and that experiential, the person's like, this is a great company to work with. And you talked about little things like the tongue-in-cheek humor. You talked about the four-finger swipe that I've never actually done on your Mac. (laughs) What else are you doing to heighten the experience of the meeting aside from the great software that you're showing and the story that you're telling? Have you guys ever heard of the 738-55 rule? No. I can barely do math, so... (laughs) 7% of your influence comes from the words that you say. 38% of your influence comes from your tonality, where then 55% comes from your energy or your body language. So if only 7% is actually the words, that's why if you give somebody a cold call script or a, a script for a demo, they're not going to knock it out of the park because when you're speaking, like you can even hear like how I'm speaking right now. I'm speaking not from my neck or my head or even my heart. I'm speaking from my gut, like my stomach. And when I can speak from there, it just builds confidence and trust. And by the way, right now I'm standing up, right? I am putting a smile on my face. Like my heart and my chest are open. I'm very animated. Like there's energy that's flowing out of my body as opposed to like sucking into my body. And if I can do that, like you just come off as someone who's engaging, exciting, interesting, fun. It's the classic statement of people don't remember what you said. People remember how you made them feel. And if you make them feel whether or not your product is good, if you made them feel like energized, especially when they're back to back every single day, whether or not they purchase your product now or later, at least have a great you know connection with it, you make a difference. You stand out. That was a far more spiritually meaningful response than what I was thinking, which was like, I mean, computer mouth. Do you know me, Nick? Do you know me, man? It was great. I would usually, I literally would turn my computer mouse magenta so the customer could follow where my mouse was. I liked your answer better. Jen, do you want to take the last question before I move to the final question? Yeah. So I imagine it's very hard not to want to take a next step with you after what you just described, but. Let's say at the end of that conversation, you get the dreaded, we need some time to think about it before we can commit to anything. I've noticed you're very prescriptive in how you deliver the entire sales experience you've talked about. What do you do in that situation without telling, but by being more prescriptive? First off, I would say, that's great to hear. I'm curious, you know, what specifically is important for you to discuss in that, that I can make sure to send follow-up information to support you with. And the second thing I would do Always book the next meeting on the call. And one of my favorite ways to frame that, because sometimes it's like, well, can we book the next meeting? They're like, no, it's like, because you didn't frame it the right way. I would say, listen, totally understand. You can think on it. Like, I wouldn't be doing my job as a great sales professional if I didn't at least put 15 minutes on your calendar for next Tuesday after you had that sync. Would that be possible for you? And if you get done with your sync and you determine you don't want to move forward, we can absolutely cancel that meeting. But I don't want to be that annoying salesperson who's following up with you because you don't want that. And I definitely don't want that. So I would just try to get that 15-minute sync on there, whether or not they take it. 
Boom. I love it. Alex, a phenomenal round two, but the clock is ticking and we're running out of time. So we got to move to the final question, which is this. We've talked about a lot of really great things salespeople should be doing. And now I got to ask you about a shouldn't. And so the final question is, what's one bad habit you see a lot of salespeople exhibiting that you think they need to break because it hurts them more than it helps? One of the harder things that I personally even struggle with today is when somebody gives an objection, how do you not get defensive, right? You end up being like, well, like you're wrong because of X, Y, and Z. Welcome the friction. Like the friction is good. If you're getting the yes, the yes, the yes, something's off. If I'm getting the yes, the yes, the yes, what I'm going to say is like, hey, listen, you know, Jen, it sounds like you guys are ready to move forward. Like what if I just shoot over the DocuSign right now and we like get this implementation started? Like I want to get to the no because that means like, okay, now I actually know what we're having to work through. So the sooner you get to the friction, the more likely you are to have a closed one deal right there. Alex, thank you so much for joining us. Everybody, if you don't follow Alex on LinkedIn and social, he posts some really interesting stuff. I've learned a lot from you over the past, gosh, month since we've gotten to know each other. So thank you for joining us. Everybody stick around for a 60 second recap coming up soon. Today's prospecting tip is brought to you by Woodpecker. When you're sending a sales email, you generally want to avoid putting punctuation in the subject line. If you've got an exclamation point, it makes it seem like you're shouting at them. Look at this amazing offer. And a question mark just smells salesy. So avoid punctuation. Now, if you want to steal my full sales cadence from my friends at Woodpecker, there's a link in the show notes for you to go get it and try it for free. Today's tip to optimize your sales day is brought to you by Boomerang. Obsessive checking of your inbox is a total waste of time and brain power. Instead, commit to checking your inbox and responding to email at set times throughout the day. I'm a fan of Boomerang's pause inbox function to keep myself from getting distracted by my inbox. Now, we documented our best templates and tools to help you optimize your sales day with our friends at Boomerang, and you can get that for free at the link in the show notes. Otter AI's Otter Pilot for Sales gives you the freedom to sell on your discovery calls by taking notes for you. One of the best ways to deepen your discovery is to ask your prospect about the impetus behind their goals. So when a prospect tells me they want to advertise on more sales podcasts, I'll say, well, it's not every day that you wake up and decide you want to sponsor a podcast. What's causing you to even explore this in the first place? Now, we put together the ultimate discovery checklist with our friends at Otter AI, which you can get for free at the link in the show notes. Your Zoom Info actionable insight tactic is called Jane's moving up. Why? Because that's the email subject line you'll use when you get a real-time notice that your prospect Jane just got promoted. From there in the email, explain how Zoom Info helps rising sales leaders win their first 90 days on the job by highlighting coaching opportunities or supporting a team-wide prospecting push. And you can try out this trigger-based email template for prospect promotion and four other scenarios inspired by Zoom Info's go-to-market plays. Link in the show notes. All right, Jen, we finished the show. Give me your top four actionable takeaways. You do two, I'll do two. All right, number one, how you say what you say matters just as much as what you say. So as Alex mentioned, 7% of influence comes from our words, 38% comes from our tonality, and 55% comes from our body language. And number two is to welcome the friction, whether it's friction on our next step, a reaction to our undeniable truth, or some aspect of our solution. We do not want to hear an exclusive set of answers that are all yes. Welcome the no. Yes. Number three is the tell, show, tell. When you are showing a demo, if you're just randomly showing 
features and functions and dashboards, the customer's going to be sitting there thinking, where is this going? How much more am I going to see? Am I going to see X feature that I really want to see? Give them a map of what the demo is going to include early so they know what to expect. And then the last one is, I'm calling it the Barack Obama redirect. When you get an objection or if somebody disagrees with you, instead of fighting that objection right away, your response should be, huh, you know, I see why you'd see it that way. Some of the things that I think are informing your perception are A, B, and C. And so share why you believe their perception is what it is, not to judge it as wrong, but to say, hey, I'm actually trying to understand your perspective. And then ask them, hey, would you be open to hearing a different perspective on things? And that is how you can open the door for a different way to think about things. Jen, this is normally where Armand would ask me how folks could help us out, but still, I want people to help Jen out. If you didn't know, we've added Jen as a wonderful co-host on 30 Minutes to President's Club, and so you will be hearing her wonderful, soothing voice on more and more episodes, soothing you into more sales. Go check her out on LinkedIn. She shares all sorts of sales best practices, and she's a wonderful human being. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week on the show. Gong's going to help you run the five-minute drill at the end of all of your calls today. At the end of a call, pressure test the prospect with three questions. Number one, do you want to buy? If the answer is no, why set a next step at all? Number two, when do you want to buy? If it's tomorrow, we got to move fast. Number three, how do you buy? Based on the first two answers, I can now adequately decide if and how I set a next step. And this was stolen from the Gong 30 MPC 90-Minute Masterclass, and you can steal it too in the show notes. Today's tip to optimize your sales day is brought to you by Boomerang. Obsessive checking of your inbox is a total waste of time and brain power. Instead, commit to checking your inbox and responding to email at set times throughout the day. I'm a fan of Boomerang's pause inbox function to keep myself from getting distracted by my inbox. Now, we documented our best templates and tools to help you optimize your sales day with our friends at Boomerang, and you can get that for free at the link in the show notes.